Hello, and welcome to DLA Piper's Construction Chatter podcast, presented by DLA Piper's construction team in Perth, Western Australia. In this podcast, we'll be analysing the latest construction law developments, as well as the key issues facing professionals in the construction industry. Hello, my name is Chloe Donjerkovic, and I'm a solicitor in the DLA Piper construction team in Perth. Here with me today is Alison Ether, partner in the DLA Piper Perth construction team. In our first instalment of the Construction Chatter podcast, we will examine the recent ipso facto amendments and their impact on construction contracts. So Alison, before we dive into the ipso facto reforms, can you explain what ipso facto is? Sure, Chloe. So most contracts, and in particular construction supply and O&M contracts, will permit the principal to exercise contractual rights in circumstances where the contractor is insolvent. And these rights primarily include the right to terminate the contract, often immediately, call on security, enter into and possess property, and suspend services, works or supply. The provisions providing for these contractual rights are often called the ipso facto provisions. The ipso facto provisions protected the principal from the risks associated with an insolvent contractor, risks like non-performance, delayed performance, subcontractor and employee claims, third-party claims on equipment, and supplier claims on goods and other deliverables. Okay, so what are the ipso facto reforms? The ipso facto reforms, Chloe, are an amendment to the Corporations Act 2001, which is a Commonwealth piece of legislation that aims to give companies the opportunity to trade out of an insolvency positions. And the reforms were enacted by the Commonwealth Parliament pursuant to the Treasury Laws Amendment 2017 Enterprise Incentives No. 2 Act 2017. Right. And so what is the impact of the ipso facto reforms on construction contracts? Well, the impact is that from 1 July 2018, the right to terminate because the contractor, for example, enters into voluntary administration, is, is, appoints a receiver and manager to the whole or substantially the whole of the contractor's assets, or announces or pursues a scheme of arrangement, will no longer be enforceable simply because of the insolvency process. And that unenforceability remains for the duration of what we call a stay period. And we would advise clients that if they find themselves in that situation to discuss with their legal advisors what the stay period is relevant to the um, insolvency process. So can the contract still be terminated for non-performance? Yes, it can. So if the contractor is not performing some or all of its obligations under the contract, for example, non-performance or non-payment, and the contract provides for the contractual right to terminate for that non-performance, then the right to terminate can still be exercised by the principal regardless of whether or not the ipso facto reforms apply. Right, and so when will the ipso facto reforms apply? So the ipso facto reforms apply now to all contracts executed after 1 July 2018. Contracts which are executed before 1 July 2018 are not impacted, and that's regardless of whether or not the contract is assigned or varied after 1 July 2018. Right, and so what would you recommend then, Alison, that an organisation do to mitigate these reforms? 
Well, we need to be conscious that all contracts executed after 1 July 2018 may need to be updated to reflect the reforms. This would include your standard forms or template contracts. But in addition to the actual drafting of the contracts, we think principals should also consider measures during the procurement and execution phases of the contract to mitigate against insolvency risk. For example, conducting greater due diligence on the financial position of prospective contractors during the tender phase, um, ongoing monitoring of the contractor's financial position throughout the contract, ensuring that you have records if the contractor is terminated for non-performance in the circumstances of an insolvency process, and just good communication with the contractor in respect of performance issues. Great. Okay. Well, that brings us to the end of our first instalment of Construction Chatter. Thanks for your time today, Alison. Uh, Tune in for our next instalment of the podcast where we will address the question, if you only have 20 minutes to review a construction contract, what should you review?